Welcome to the Wannabe Hunting Podcast. This is your host, Amos Medford. Thanks for tuning in today. And we are glad to have Mr. Pete Rogers on the podcast today. He's up in South Carolina, and he is the host of the Christian Outdoors Podcast. And you can check him out there. He's also authored some books that you can find on his website, as well as Amazon. You're going to enjoy hearing him. He's been uh, writing uh, in the outdoor industry for over 20 years and uh, hunting for a long time since he was a teenager. And uh, you'll hear the, uh, the story behind all that today. And it's a good one. You'll enjoy it. And it'll be an encouragement to you to listen today. So big thanks to Pete for coming on. And a big thanks to each and every one of you for listening today. We really appreciate it. Appreciate all the support on the podcast, whether it's on uh, Instagram or just listening, leaving a rating and review. That's uh, one of the best things you can do to support us. We appreciate it. And uh, we do have a brand new uh, Patreon page if you want to support that way, support monthly. Anything along those lines, not for everybody, but if you want to support, we appreciate it. And you can check out the link to that in my link tree on Instagram. Hope you guys have a uh, great day. And enjoy this episode with Mr. Pete Rogers. We're pleased to be joined today on the Wannabe Hunting Podcast by Mr. Pete Rogers of the Christian Outdoors Podcast. Pete, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Amos. Thank you for having me, buddy. Yes, sir. And uh, you're getting some cool weather up that way, aren't you? Man, we, we, we have snowmageddon going on here in South Carolina, which is, you know, we have four or so inches of snow that it's starting to melt and refreeze. And so it's kind of got everything shut down, but it's, it's beautiful. I love the snow. I wish we lived somewhere where there was a lot more of it, but uh, we don't, and we get maybe one of these a year, but it's been nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. Down here in Florida, uh, we get one maybe every couple decades or something in this area, but right, uh, right. I like seeing the pictures. It looks pretty. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, I'm not sure. I haven't even been outside yet. I'm, I'm just, I'm just looking at it from the inside and it's really pretty. It That's really is. Um, but, uh, no, we know I, I, I tell people I'd like to live where there's snow. And every time I say that, they, they remind me that, that, uh, I've never had to shovel snow just to go to work or go to church or anything. So I probably would change my mind if I had to do that. And they're probably right. So, right. but just based on where I live, I love the snow. I love how it looks. I like how it changes everything and just how pretty it makes it how quiet the woods are and everything. And, uh, you know, I've, I've only got to hunt in the snow a, a few times and really, really enjoyed that. But, but, but I do like it. I really do. Winter's my favorite season of the year anyway. Yeah, that's cool. That, that sounds like fun. Someday I, I'll uh, have to hunt in the snow, but, uh, that'll probably be out of state for me. But, uh, anyway, if you don't mind just starting off and telling us how you actually got into hunting. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story, at least I think. Um, I did not grow up in a hunting household. My dad was not a hunter or an outdoorsman at all. He he really enjoyed uh, golf, and and I I enjoyed playing golf as well. But but dad was a golfer. He was that was his only um, outside activity was was playing golf. So we actually moved around a whole lot growing up. And about every couple of years we would move. Dad was changed. He was being promoted through his job and, and that required us to move a good bit. And I lived in almost every state in the South, including Florida. Um, Mm -hmm. We lived down in plantation, Florida for a year and a half. And then we moved up here to South Carolina and kind of stayed here. Then my dad was from South Carolina. So he kind of moved back home and uh, changed jobs and began selling insurance. And, and we moved to a small town called Saluda, South Carolina. 
and we lived way out in the country. It's the first time we'd ever lived in the country. I was 12 when we moved there, Amos. And, mm-hmm. and I was just captivated by the space. I'm like, wow, this is so cool. We live way out in the country and there's woods and there's a Creek. And, and, um, I really can't point to what was the thing that got me interested other than, uh, I think I had a school assignment when we had to read something about Daniel Boone in the early Americas. And, and I read a, a biography on Daniel Boone when I was in seventh grade mm-hmm. and I started reading everything I could about, um, all those Western explorers, you know, um, and Daniel Boone's day, Kentucky was West. Right. And right. so, it, and so I started reading about him and then I started reading about the, the, the fur trappers that went out West and the, and, and the mountain men and the explorers. And I just really got captivated by those stories of adventure and, and their bravery of just going into the unknown and, and carving a living out of it. And, and it just struck something in me. And I remember telling my parents, uh, Oh, uh, I, I was, uh, let me go back a little bit. I've discovered an outdoor magazine at a convenience store called it was sports field. I still have the edition. The first one I ever purchased had a doll sheep on the front of it. And it was a 1980 edition and I read it and, and I said, man, this is so cool. And I just, I want to start hunting. I just, I want to do what I'm reading about. And I asked my parents to get me a, a 22 rifle for my 14th birthday. And my birthday is four days after Christmas, which is a horrible time to have a birthday, by the way, because yeah, everything is, well, here's your Christmas and birthday together. And uh, (laughs) when my brother's birthday is in July, he gets two different opportunities to celebrate. But but I said, I told him, I said, I'd love to have this 22 from the Sears uh, Roebuck wish book. There was a 22 caliber rifle in there. And I said, can I get this in October so I can use it during hunting season and they did that which really surprised me now as i look back on it amos because <laughs> like i said dad wasn't a hunter at all right. and and i took that 22 rifle and i bet i have put a million bullets through it i mean i ha- i started squirrel hunting and um just walking out in the woods and 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 learning about nature and just i didn't have a clue what i was doing yeah. and and i saw amos in this um outdoor life magazine back in the day that they had what was called the outdoor life book club. And for $1, you mailed in a dollar bill and they sent you 10 books on the outdoors. And your only obligation was to buy two books at full price in the next two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, even as a 12 year old, I knew that was a great deal. So I, I mailed in my dollar and I got my, I got my books. And it was, uh, I, st- I still have them. They're on my bookshelf now. It was, uh, how to track and find game hunting, small, hunting, small game, hunting the white tailed deer, um, building fishing rods and how to make your own fishing lures, the outdoor eye, how to find game, you know, how, how to spot them, all these things. And I would literally take those books into the woods with me and I would read it and I would do it. I would read and I would do, I would read and I would do. And it just really got me going it's a it's a very different way to pick up hunting because i didn't have a mentor both my grandfathers were deceased i never knew them either one of them Mm -hmm. Um, and we lived 12 miles from town the closest person my age was probably three miles away so there was really just nothing except my own curiosity and my own stubbornness and persistence of just trying to learn it and i can remember this um 
I, re I remember it was like eighth grade. So what does that make you like 13 or so? I was out in the squirrel woods and I saw, I saw a deer track. At least I thought that's what it was. I ran yeah. all the way home, grabbed my book on tracking and finding big game, ran all the way back there and was going through the pages of the pictures of the, the sketchings of deer tracks. I said, that is a deer track. When I went to school and told people I'd seen a deer track, you would have thought I was the great, greatest hunter of all time. <laughs> there were no deer in our neck of the woods back then. Uh, again, this was the late 1970s. There were no deer in the woods at all. And, and I saw a deer track and it just really got me excited. And, mm -hmm. um, without taking too much of your time, um, I just continued to scroll hunt. That's the only rifle I had. That's the only gun I had was that 22 rifle. And my brother joined the air force and he had picked up a, uh, a, a compound bow, a Ben Pearson 50 pound compound bow from a friend. And he left it when he went to the air force. And I wanted to start hunting deer because I'd seen that deer track and was reading about it in these books. And I didn't have a gun to do it with. So I went to the local ACE hardware. I bought four arrows Eastern game getters and a couple of Zwicky broadheads. And I was out deer hunting, sitting mm -hmm. on five gallon buckets, walking through the woods didn't have a clue what I was doing. But so that would have been, I guess I'd have been maybe 16 or 17 at that time. Right. Um, but I also got excited about turkey hunting. This is a time that the NWTF was in Edgefield, South Carolina, which is only 30 miles away from where I grew up. So right. I actually, I actually killed a, my, a turkey before i killed a deer i think you i think you did something similar yourself didn't you um, yep yep very similar and it got me really hooked on turkeys really hooked i was so excited i picked up the turkey ran ran to the car drove home left my call my gun everything at the base of the tree <laughs> had to drive all the way back out there to get it but uh but on the deer i was 23 years old when i killed my first one i killed it with that with that ben pearson bow uh climbing the cedar tree sitting on the limbs I didn't have a, um, we were not poor, but we do, but we were not a family of means. All right. And so I didn't have a tree stand. I didn't have a, a mentor as a buddy who said, I think there's some deer across the road from my house. And I was just over there walking around looking. I found a trail. I found a cedar tree. I climbed up in there one morning and, um, this was the seventh year that I had hunted deer before I actually saw one mm -hmm. to shoot to shoot and i shot a little three point with my bow and um i've killed a deer every year since and at least one and it was just it just completely captivated me not just deer hunting but i'm one of those uh amos i'm an equal opportunity hunter whatever's in season i like to go after it right that's a long story i'm sorry to talk so much about it but that's that's really how i got into hunting and it's just grown from there no you're good i I love the story, I, I, you know, kind of a few stories there kind of tied together, but one, I just love to hear the stories and it's always awesome to hear how, you know, there are different scenarios that people get into hunting, you know, um, it's awesome for those guys whose dad and uncle and grandpa take them, yeah. but there's, you know, there's other ways to get into it. So I love hearing it cause you know, that's, that's my story as well. And we talked about that a little bit uh, the other day on, on your podcast, but, um, I love, I love those stories too, because literally my next question was, you know, what's your favorite game to hunt and do you prefer gun or bow or shotgun or whatever? 
Yeah. Uh, so it kind of leads right into it because you already talked about starting with squirrels, moving to deer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that covers it all. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, but but to that question, you know, I get asked that a lot as an outdoor writer. I I get asked that question a lot. What's my favorite animal to hunt? And I haven't hunted all of them, so I don't. I can't say this with on with honesty. Um, but I would say of the animals that I've hunted, turkey's by far my favorite. Uh, I love the interaction with turkey. I love um, that right when you think you got them figured out, you don't. Um, and they, they're just so challenging and they're frustrating and it's exciting that, you know, early spring woods and hearing them thunder in the, in the hardwoods and the gobble and to watch them come in and to see them strut. And, and it's just the show that turkeys give you is really really exciting for me i really like the turkey hunting a lot i'm not near as good as i like to think i am um i mean i've taken my fair share of turkeys don't get me wrong but uh uh, when when you have the chance to interview and talk to people that are are really good turkey hunters um it really is a very humbling thing to see how good some of these people are but even they will tell you that the turkey is a master of humbling people yeah um that's my favorite uh here in south carolina kind of like you guys down there in florida amos we don't have a lot of options Um, we got whitetails we got turkeys we got pigs uh and then small game and and the small game is mostly squirrels and rabbits we don't really have any upland birds except dove um that's a very uh hit or miss thing on that and uh yeah we have a bear season but it's i don't count it um um and i've you know been fortunate enough to be able to hunt in a lot of different places for a lot of different animals, but, uh, Turkey is still my favorite. Right. Yeah. That that's, they're hard to beat, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. a few opportunities to interact with turkeys and a few with deer. And, um, it's, it's a totally different ball game. You can hardly compare them. You know, it's both hunting, but it's a totally different thing, you know. It is. And that's one of the things I like about hunting. And I've, uh, like, I went to Wisconsin this past fall on a grouse hunt. I've always wanted to hunt rough grouse, never had a chance to do it. Got an invitation. And I told my wife, I'm going um, because I got an invitation. I, I don't know anything about it. And it's so different from any other kind of hunting I've done. And that's one of the things that I like about hunting and, and, and hopefully some of your listeners will jump into this is that I've never understood a single species hunter. I'm a deer hunter, or I just hunt ducks and geese. I'm a waterfowl guy, or I'm only a turkey guy. You're missing so much Mm -hmm. when you focus on just one single species. I mean, because hunting grouse in Northern Wisconsin was very different from anything I'd ever done. Right. And, and, uh, you know, hunting whitetails in the South is very different from hunting whitetails in the plains and, uh, hunting waterfowl and flooded timber versus hunting waterfowl in a field. It's all very, very different. And, and I just, I like those different challenges. I like those different opportunities and I get to meet great people and to see beautiful land in the process. So, um, I would really encourage people to, to say, well, I know hunting is not just deer hunting. It is the most popular Uh, and it's not just turkey hunting, but I still love squirrel hunting. I still love getting out with my 22 and and going through the winter woods looking for squirrels. I I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I I totally agree. I, I think it's all good. It's all different, but it's all good in its own way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, do you still do, um, 
some bow hunting as well as rifle and all that or what's your I do. I do. If I had to um if I had to pick one, yeah, archery is is my favorite. Um and uh we actually had this on a podcast and I I've you know, I don't remember who it was, but we were talking about how far is too far and uh right. I can remember in archery hunting it used to be how close can you get and now it's how far can you shoot and to me the the joy of archery hunting is how close can you get when i can watch a deer blink and um then i know that they're close when i can you know because i have old eyes right i'm 58 years old i have old eyes so when i can get get a deer close enough to watch it blink i say it's in range now um i like that challenge of trying to get really really close to the deer of of picking the right tree or the or the right ground blind spot the the location working the wind i love getting close and uh so yeah i love the archery i, I like the uh the challenge of making perfect shot execution mm-hmm. um don't get me wrong i love shooting my rifles too i've killed a lot of deer with my rifles and i love them uh, and if i can reach out there and touch them and um i'm one of those uh, people Amos this kind of anal about my about my rifle I reload my own bullets I make sure that that I can shoot the same hole at any at whatever range I'm going to be hunting at I you know I want it very very accurate mm-hmm. but the flip side of that is when the when the crosshairs hit the deer it's dead pretty much right right, right. Where, whereas with the bow <laughs> that ain't the case is it <laughs> no 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 no, you got, you still got to execute the shot. You got to be still and uh, slightly apply pressure to your release. If you're shooting release or, or relax your fingers, if you're shooting fingers and follow through with the shot. And I mean, there's so much more involved and I really like that. really like that added challenge. So yeah, I do enjoy the bow hunting a lot. Um, and I do it while it's in season and I have stands set up there specifically for bow hunting. Right. And, um, and I have stands set up for rifle hunting. Um, and so I just do it all. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, this year, what I did is just when it was bow season, I, I took the bow and as soon as it turned muzzle loader, I took the muzzle loader and mm-hmm. went out during rifle, I took rifle. So I haven't, I haven't connected with a bow yet, but I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, I, there's, there's two other kinds that I like too, and that's muzzleloader and handgun. I started handgun hunting about 10 years ago. Um, and it's because my, I'm, I'm right-handed, but my left shoulder, I I had some rotator cuff issues and the pressure of pulling the bow back on my bow arm was just too much. So, but I still wanted to hunt close. So I picked up a, I picked up handgun hunting and I want to tell you what, that is fun. And you got to make sure it's legal in your state. But it's, uh, I describe it in my writing, Amos, as it's just like bow hunting, just a lot louder. <laughs> I mean, because you, cool. yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, uh, you need hearing protection when you shoot these, these big revolvers. And, and that's what I hunt with big bore re- revolvers, mostly a Taurus raging hunter or a Taurus raging bull. I'm a big fan of the Taurus, mm-hmm. uh, revolvers, 44 Magnums and 454 Casol. Um, you have to be close. You got to be 40 yards and in and, and it takes incredible shot execution, holding that gun, very still slight pressure to the trigger until it breaks and following through with your shot. Uh, it's, it's so much like archery. 
mm-hmm. and that uh, I, I really enjoy the handgun hunting a lot. I do. I do. And I've been fortunate to take deer and pigs uh, with them and really enjoy that. So if somebody who is maybe they maybe they've been archer hunter and, and they've had an injury or they've gotten older and they don't want to pull back the bow, um, consider taking up a handgun hunting. It's uh, it's very, very similar as far as everything that you need to do. Um, to, yeah. to the archery hunting. I think it's the, it's the closest thing to it. That's pretty cool. And that's something I don't hear a lot about or see a lot about, but I've, you know, I've definitely heard of it, but that's, that's pretty neat that you can use a, use a handgun and, you know, at least in certain States or areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of same, it is close interaction. That's cool. Now, uh, I know you've mentioned writing a few times and, um, I'll probably circle back and ask you a little about that right at the end. Okay. But, you know, with hunting and, and everything else involved in writing, uh, outdoor writing, how did the, uh, your podcast actually, you know, kind of come about? Well, I appreciate you asking that because, uh, it's, it's a really interesting story as a, as an outdoor writer, I was actually, uh, attending the professional outdoor media associations, uh, annual conference in Louisiana, uh, maybe four years ago. And they had a seminar uh, and one of the seminars where they had a bunch of seminars and one of them was on podcasting and I had heard about podcasting, but didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. So I went into this seminar and listened to the presentation and talked to a, p- a few people that were early into it in the hunting and outdoor world. And I said, Dude, I think that's something I would really enjoy. Um, and I just kind of tabled it, mm-hmm. but, um, being also a passionate lover of Jesus and a, someone who loves outdoors. And as you said, I've been an outdoor writer for over 20 years now. Um, I noticed that a lot of the people that I come in contact with in the industry, you know, whether they're uh, television hunters or other, other outdoor writers or big personalities, whatever, they're always are mostly people of faith. And I said, I wonder if I can create a, a platform where they can share their faith where we can talk about our love for the outdoors and our love for Christ. Um, because in the magazine world, um, they're, they're not going to allow you to publish about God because advertisers are scared of that topic and, and advertising what pays for the magazines and the same thing on the outdoor television. They have to be very careful what they can show and talk about because the, the networks dictate that. Right. Um, Anyway, so I started praying about it and I started praying about God. What should I do? Um, is, is this something that I want to do? Am, am I willing to make the commitment? My wife is telling me I already have too many irons in the fire because I have a full-time job and I have a three quarter time job in the outdoor writing. And now I'm going to add a, po- a podcast to it. And she's like, you, you know, you really don't need to be doing this and be a husband and a father and be active in my church and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And I, so I prayed about it for two years and, uh, or 18 months or so. And right. during that time I was researching it heavily, um, what all's involved, what all does it take and all, all that kind of stuff, Amos. And yeah. cause I'm one of those that if I want to do it, I'm going to do it the very best I can. I don't want to go at it halfway. I want to go about it and do it the very best that I can and make a commitment to it. So. After much study and preparation and prayer, I decided that, uh, yes, I do want a podcast that will discuss about my faith and my, and my, so my love for Christ and my love for the outdoors. And how did I do that? And I, um, made a commitment to myself 
that I was going to do it for one week, one episode a week for at least a year and then reevaluate. <laughs> so that was 50. I was committing to 50 episodes because I knew I was going to take off around Christmas and around Easter. So I said, I'm going to commit to 50 episodes for one year and I'm going to do one episode a week. And then I had to come up with a name and a, and a driving force. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was my driving force was back in, where are we 2021 now, uh, 22 now, are we? Yeah. So that's, this would have been maybe 14 or 15. Um, as a pastor, one of the things I like to do is read theology. It bores people to tears, but I like it. And I was reading um, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which was written in the 1500s. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first question of that is a catechism for the listeners who may not know is a question and answer teaching tool to teach people about the history of the church, God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, everything. And it's a question answer format. The church would ask the question. It would teach its students the answer and the first question is, what is the chief end of mankind? Which basically is, what's the meaning of life, right? What's the, what is our purpose? What is the chief end of mankind? And the answer to that, Amos, is the chief end of mankind is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I thought, yeah, yeah that sounds like a good Sunday school answer. And I went on to the next one. And, and it, wait a minute, it, it came back and hit me again. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And Amos, it hit me square between the eyes. And to enjoy him forever. Does that mean, wait a minute, forever? That doesn't mean after we die, where we enjoy him in glory in paradise, heaven. Right. We should be enjoying him now. And then yeah. I started questioning myself, said, do I enjoy God now? Or am I just acknowledging God and worshiping God and praising God and, let's be honest, tolerating God sometimes? Or am I really enjoying him? And so that set me on a journey to try every single day to intentionally find a ways to glorify, uh, not to glorify, but yes, to glorify, but to enjoy God on a very deep and intimate level every single day. And I wanted that to be the driving force of my podcast where we talk about And so my little tagline is, where we talk about all things outdoors and how we can enjoy God every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm, we'll get to this later. And, and out of that came a book also um, that we'll talk about later, I'm sure. But right. so in creating the podcast, I, I, I have two goals. One is where we, t- we talk about our love for the outdoors, but more importantly, we talk about our love for Jesus and how, and not, not, and how we can recognize him and enjoy him every single day. Yeah, that's, I like the, you know, obviously I like the premise of the podcast. And I think it's pretty, you know, a, pretty awesome because the outdoors are, are a great place to enjoy him every day. And so that's, I think that's awesome to have a podcast, you know, centered around that. Thank you. Thank you. It's doing, you know, uh, I've enjoyed it. I, I really have. We are on our, I just recorded today our 114th episode. So we're two, almost two and a half years into it and, and uh, going strong. I really, really got, God has done great things with it. I'm very blessed. Yeah, that is awesome. And, uh, and we are going to come back here in just a minute to um, your book 
any other outdoor writing uh, that you want to reference or, you know, okay. folks where to find it, all that type stuff. Come back to that here in just a minute. We'll kind of close out that way with just anywhere you want to direct. Sure. Uh, direct folks to hear the podcast, get the book, uh, read your writing elsewhere. But before we get to that, I just wanted to ask you if you have any advice that either you often give or would give to new hunters, whether it's a mindset, whether it has to do with gear, whether it has to do with strategy, deer hunting, turkey hunting in general, you know, any, anything that you would say to like a newer hunter, uh, just to help them as they're getting started in, into hunting. Um, that's a very good question. Uh, because as we said earlier, different hunting, hunting different animals requires different things and different and different tactics and techniques and so forth. So I'd say in general, what I would uh, say to a, a new hunter who just wants to take it up is don't be afraid to try something new. Okay. Mm -hmm. And don't think you have to have the greatest gear in order to do it. Right. I killed my first deer cause I, before I owned guns. All right. I mean, all I had was a 22 rifle and a bow mm -hmm. and I was still able to get it done. Um, and that's not touting myself. It's just being bullheaded and, you know, and you just ratchet up from there. I would, I would also say is, is the best learning tool is time in the woods. Mm. It really is. I mean, yeah, y'all have heard my story and you know how I would just take the books with me out there and try them and have to look up tracks and have to see well, what, you know, what is this, what is that? And, and failure is a great teacher and making poor shots and, and making too much noise, all that stuff is a great teacher. Right. Um, I would also say, um, patience and realistic expectations. Mm -hmm. In other words, when you watch hunting television shows and I've been on some of those, so I know I kind of know what goes on behind the scenes and all that, but, that they're showing i'm gonna speak deer, deer hunting specifically right right this they're showing people killing big deer that i that i've been hunting for 40 something years i've never seen deer as big as the ones that that, that they kill i've never killed 140 inch deer i've never killed anything like that so i think the expectations some of the tv guys put on new hunters is overwhelming to them and they're hunting you know, here in South Carolina where a 110 inch deer is, is normal that don't get all hung up in the score of the animal. If it's legal mm -hmm. and you enjoy it, do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and it's the same thing with, um, whether you're a bow hunter or gun hunter, crossbow, uh, whatever's, if it's legal in your state country or province and you want to do it, go do it. Uh, don't, there's too much shaming that goes on among hummers, um, among hunters mm. and, too, and too much, uh, um, cannibalism going on where, you know, these, these bow hunters are just looked down on anybody that uses a rifle and rifle hunters look down on anybody that uses a crossbow and crossbow hunters look down on people who use muzzle loaders. And, and it's just, it's just, uh, sad. Right. And I would just say, please just, uh, um, to a new hunter don't be afraid to try something new don't be afraid to to get out there and do it and just try to enjoy the process um like i said i hunted seven years for i saw a deer 
Right. I've been, I've been on three elk hunts in Colorado. I've never seen an elk yet, mm-hmm. but I still go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, failure is part of it. And it's, uh, to me, it's, it's, it's still a lot of fun. I mean, I'll, I, I killed four deer this year. Is that right? One, two, three. Yeah, I killed four deer. One of those was in Kentucky. So three here at home. And I hunted probably 45 days. Mm-hmm. All right. I saw a lot of other deer. I didn't have shots or I didn't want to take them or I was waiting on something else or, you know, um, it was too small or small, meaning like a yearling doe or something like that. Cause I'll shoot a doe in a second. I mean, I love to eat deer meat. I'm not, I am, I do not, I am an equal opportunity. If it's legal and it's in front of me, it's probably going to go in the freezer <laughs> you know? unless it's too small. It's like a yearling or something, you know, or, or if it's a spike buck and, and, uh, and I want to give them a little bit better chance to grow or something. But um, I know I rambled a, a little bit. I would also say, no, and I want to jump to to some other. Uh, start with start with small game. Mm-hmm. I think too many people take too big of a step when they're beginning. They I've never hunted. I'm going to hunt deer. Well, why are you why are you doing that? Start start on squirrels. Mm-hmm. Because if you can learn to shoot a squirrel in the head with a 22 rifle. And you can learn to get close enough to do that. You are building skill to become a better overall hunter. Right. Yeah. So I would, um, if you can find somebody to take you to, to teach you, it definitely speeds up the the learning curve. Uh, it really does. Uh, I, I encourage hunters all the time to take somebody new with them. Um, Mm. somebody who's new to the sport or, or, inexperienced uh i think i said this on your podcast i took a guy with me this year who's 60 years old and and he killed his first deer with me mm-hmm. at 60 uh you're never too you're never too old you're you're never too inexperienced uh, just just get out there and do it um there's a lot of opportunity out there yeah absolutely i totally agree that's one of you know the biggest advice which i don't i don't give a lot of advice but my advice is to go you know, to try it, right. Uh, you know, research what you got to do, see what's legal, get your license, all that stuff. And then, you know, do, do other research online, podcasts, YouTube, you know, there's a ton of stuff you can, you can uh, find out these days and learn these days mm-hmm. that way. So do your homework. But when it comes down to it, like you said, don't wait until you have, uh, you know, a fifteen hundred or seventeen hundred dollar Hoyt and all this stuff, you know, just <laughs> run to a pawn shop, <laughs> see if they got a boat, right, right, and and get out there and start absolutely, learning. absolutely. It's it's like when I was finally able to afford a gun, I got a shotgun, a, a Mossberg twelve gauge, and I hunted deer with a shotgun and buckshot, and killed a lot of deer with that before I was able to scrounge up enough money to buy a centerfire rifle, and I bought it for my brother in law. You know, um, and you know, you just take, take baby steps. You don't have to jump all in, in order to do it. And I also want to say this, and I think my, my youngest son is a good example. Mm-hmm. He does not enjoy bird hunting. He said, I am a terrible wing shot. I cannot hit them. I can't hit doves. I can't hit quail. I can't hit ducks. I don't enjoy that. <laughs> all right. So that's him, but he does enjoy deer hunting and he enjoys squirrel hunting. And so um, if you try a type of hunting and, and you don't enjoy it, don't just give up on all hunting because it's all very different. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, deer hunting can be some of the most boringest things you've ever done in your life. No, and anybody says it's not, it's not being honest. It can be so boring. Can it Amos at times? Oh yeah. yeah. So don't judge all hunting based on how boring deer hunting can be. Go try turkey hunting, go try duck hunting, you know, find somebody that'll take you or, um, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of different outfits out there now, like the national deer Alliance is now, now has a program called field to fork where they're taking adults that have never hunted Mm -hmm. and teaching them how to hunt deer and how to process the deer and how to prepare it for the table and, and the, and the whole, it's a wonderful, uh, opportunity and it's, yeah. And it's, and it's free. You just got to sign up and go. Um, at least I believe it it was free last time I looked at it. So you, you want to go to their website and check into that just to make sure. No, and it's true. There are, there's a few programs like that. Um, right. Stuff. So that's, that's a great opportunity for folks who are, who are nervous about it. Cause I know that feeling, you know, trying to go out and, you know, it's like, well, if I do kill something, what am I going to do with it? So that's a yeah awesome way to get some hands-on training. So it is, it is. Well, it is. it's been good talking to you, Pete. I, I really I appreciate you, you know, coming on and, you know, I appreciate your perspective on, uh, on hunting and this stuff, you know, you've been writing about it for years and have a, you know, successful podcast and all yourself. So I appreciate you coming. Could you just give us an idea where we can, uh, um, read your writing, find your podcast, um, you know, get your book, anything, anything like that you want to, uh, give instruction on? Absolutely. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. Well, as a freelance outdoor writer, I'm in a lot of different magazines. It just depends on, on what they're buying, but, but some of them would be the NWTF Turkey call magazine, uh, inside firearms, inside archery, mm-hmm. uh, the game and fish publications, uh, from, from time to time I'm in those for fishing game. So, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of different ones that I'm selling to as far as that goes, but, but books, are all available on my website and on Amazon. My website is Mm christianoutdoors.org. And there um, you can find all my books there. I have uh, a turkey hunting book that was actually the outdoor book of the year in 2019. It's called So You Want to Hunt Turkeys. And it's more about the why we hunt turkeys than the how-to. That There are how-tos in there, chapters. But um, that's a hardback collector's edition book, and it's available there. My... uh, I have other ones on there as well. The hunting club Bible. If you've, um, are in a hunting club or thinking about joining a hunting club, this is a manual that will teach you how to create and sustain a successful hunting club. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I have my, my Christian book that came from the podcast called, do you enjoy God It's 12 steps to enjoying God every day. And all of those are available as eBooks or as paperback books with the Turkey book is hardback. But the other ones are paperback. They're all available on my website, or you can go to Amazon and just search under my name, Pete Rogers. That's R O G E R S, and you can find them all there. And the podcast is Christian Outdoors Podcast, and it's available on on every podcast platform out there: Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Weezer, Deezer, all of them. It's it's available out there. So I'd love for you to ch- check us out and to subscribe to it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Pete, and. Uh definitely definitely some stuff for uh for me and everybody else to check out uh, you know check out your books and and uh, give your podcast a listen so i appreciate it thanks for coming on today thank you for having me amos i really appreciate it buddy yes sir 
Amos here with the Wannabe Hunting Podcast. Thanks so much for listening today. I really appreciate it. And a big thanks to Pete Rogers for coming on today. Enjoyed talking with him. Check out the stuff he has going on with Christian Outdoors. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks again for the support, for the ratings, the reviews, and uh, just stopping in to listen. That helps a ton. And we appreciate it. Hope everybody has a good rest of your week. Hope you're getting some good uh, winter weather and enjoying it and uh, staying safe out on the roads and all that good stuff. If you're somewhere where it's snowy, it is not here in Florida, but it's pretty chilly. So hope you guys have a good rest of your winter. If you're still closing out a deer season or waterfowl, good luck. And we'll look forward to turkeys here coming up before too long. Thanks for listening. As always, honor God, work hard, and keep hunting.